There's a place here at the table Your coats go by the door You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor I hope you wore elastic Cause your waistband's gonna get tight Take time's done, we're having a night Hello listeners Hi guys Today we have the incredible Greta Teitelman. Um Warning to everybody, this was our first time using a phone patch, which means that basically our interviewee is on a phone and then they call in and it's like connected to a mic. It's very confusing. Technology. Technology. We are not good at it. But I think it sounds really good, all things considered. Yeah, my mic isn't working for the first bit, but you'll see. You'll see. It's very... Bear with us. She's great. She's a stand-up comedian. She's from D.C., so she comes from, like, this political family, and so she's very much raised in the world of hosting, like, hosting big things, yeah. which I totally love. She is an entertainer who shares our obsession with hosting parties. Yeah. So it's great to talk to her. Listen up. Exactly. So, like, talk to us a little bit about your hosting-ness, like, your, you know, what you host, how you grew up hosting, all of that stuff. Sure. Both of my parents worked in politics, and I basically grew up in, like, a giant fundraiser. Like, parties, cocktail parties at my house. I'm not kidding you. I think if when I was little, it felt like every single night of the week. In reality, it was probably, like, once a week. Uh, but still, that's crazy. Like, I grew up lot. on reserves. It's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. My mom worked for the governor of Pennsylvania for a while, and then we moved to D.C., and we did a bunch of stuff there and I literally just like my life was a steak crostini and like a mini crab cake that's like (laughs) comfort food to me and like would Um, your mom get catering companies to do it would she do it herself like how does that work absolutely not do it herself (laughs) so it was like she would attend these guy his name was what's his name it was like wiki catering or something like that it was it was crazy and I remember I remember loving him like an uncle. Like, that's how close I felt to this caterer. And he was a very fabulous man um, who would make (laughs) delicious. Like, this is the 90s when, like, eating food in the shape of cones was still very popular. (laughs) A thousand percent. It was back in the days of food towers. Exactly. Food towers. And then, like, and then in the early 2000s, we transitioned into that square plate that everyone thought was chic, you know? Turns out it's heinous. It's terrible. (laughs) I mean, imagine if I go to a restaurant and my food is served on a square plate, I'm upset and I have very low expectations. (laughs) (laughs) With like a smear Um, of sauce or something, you know, drizzled along. Oh, it's the worst. (laughs) Like, yeah, a thick balsamic drizzle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that clearly came out of like a squeezy bottle. Um, A raspberry coulis. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I love a fruit sort of glaze on <laughs> anything, really. Yeah, and I just remember, like, my mom was such a perfectionist with parties and hosting, and it was something that was kind of instilled in my sister and I at a really young age. Not in this, like, domestic, this is what a woman has to do kind of way, mm-hmm. but, like, if you're going to throw a party, this is how you throw a party, right. you know? What did a party look like? Because I can't even imagine throwing a big fundraiser every week. It's like <laughs> I can imagine having like an eight-person dinner party every week, which I basically do, but I can't fathom having like 50 people in my home. She must have had it down to a science. First and foremost, 
foremost, you need to have alcohol. Like, my mom mm-hmm. was always like, if you do nothing, at least to serve a good cocktail. But more. we didn't allow any, it was only clear liquids or white wine. No red wine, no whiskeys, no Smart. nothing like that. Just because you don't want people to spill in your furniture and then have it be destroyed. And everything was passed, which I think is how you do crowd control and you make sure everyone gets something. So there would be like a wait staff that would walk around with glasses of white wine on trays, vodka tonics, etc., things like that. Again, this is like 90s, thousands, where I feel like a tonic was much more common than like a soda, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then it was like heavy past hors d'oeuvres orders constantly being churned out of the kitchen. And then there would always be sort of a crudite bar that also had a shrimp cocktail component. And Mm. yeah, it was a crudite and shrimp cocktail. I mean, I feel like Ari and I are at this party right now. It's like, this all sounds amazing. I know, my imagination is going crazy. This was also like (laughs) pre-hummus. Like, my mom was very (laughs) anti-dip. I love she that there was, was a like, time pre-hummus. I know. It's like, it's like a you measuring time. <laughs> was there a time before it, Sabra? <laughs> yeah. I, it's crazy to think, but, like, I remember when we started buying hummus at, like, the, at the what is now Whole Foods, but was once called Freshfields. And I remember my mom buying hummus and being like, what is this exotic spread? Totally. And now it's just become a condiment, basically. Mm-hmm. What else? Oh, we always had like a skewered meat situation. Like this, also when like a chicken satay oh, was yes. like sexy. That very nineties, early two thousands. A lot of throwback hors d'oeuvres, and you had to have nice cocktail napkins or a cocktail napkin that matched the occasion. Always flowers. There had to be a floral moment. Otherwise, the party didn't look complete. Basically, flowers, alcohol, and a cocktail napkin, you have a party. Oh, God. Boy, do you ever. Those are the rules. So is that, like, when you host now, do you do a version of this? Or are you like, no, I'm doing family style. I'm doing rustic. You know, like, what's how, how has this affected your own hosting style? Well, when I was living in New York, I never really had the ability to have like a big a bunch of people over to my house Mm -hmm. so whenever I would host in New York it was always based around a meal I would always be inviting people over for a dinner usually or a brunch and then I'd be cooking everything and it was much more controlled because like you're saying when you cook for eight people it's you kind of have a bit more control over what's happening. People come in your house, you can make a cocktail, you pour a glass of wine, whatever. And then people can mingle while you finish up your meal. And there's like a really nice element to that. Now that I'm living in LA, I find myself hosting a lot of barbecues because I have an amazing backyard. And then next thing you know, I have like 30 people at my house. I mean, I was just saying to Ari, like the difference between East Coast, West Coast hosting there is a big difference, right? It's like in LA, mm-hmm. you can have barbecues year round. I feel like so many people do the taco truck thing, which if you've oh, never yeah. been to LA, you hire a taco <laughs> truck to come. It's amazing. Um, we did that at my housewarming party. We ordered, we hired an amazing taco truck to come, and it was incredible. Can I ask where in LA you live? I live in Larchmont. Oh like, my God, the best. The best, the best, the yeah. best. <laughs> Go get it's a tiger. Great, great yes, farmer's exactly. market, live- too. Mm-hmm. It's a really good farmer's market, but I'm not going to lie. 
farmer's market culture really overwhelms me because I need to have in mind something that I want to make for me to go shopping. Just like shopping and buying staples, my mind doesn't work like that. Interesting. So when, because when I go to an LA farmer's market, I, I mean, it's like a camel seeing an oasis for the first time in 17 years. I start to cry. I actually, (laughs) I basically tear up at the citrus. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the blue watts. Blue watts. It's got a hat that says blue watt on it. It's, it's like they are amazing and the produce is incredible. But I too am like a kid in a candy store where then I just want to buy everything because everything is so beautiful to look at. For sure. And then next thing you know, I have like 2,000 navel oranges and like four stalks of chives. Well, I also, like, what did I even get? Then you're playing chopped by yourself. Exactly. One man chives. A citrus salad with like a, a like weird chive dressing. It sounds amazing. But I do feel like, especially coming from the East Coast, you have what's like like a scarcity syndrome or something. So you get to an LA farmer's market and it's true. I go home and I'm like, now I have bounty. You know, I'll bring buy all this crap. I have bounty. And then I'm like, I'm only one person. How the hell am I supposed to eat 15 little gem lettuces before the next farmer's market when I know I'm going to go back and buy another 15 little gem? It's like, it is a little overwhelming. Find a way. Yeah, I, but I, mean, CSA. I can't complain at the luxury and just like the access to good food out in LA. It's amazing. Yeah, it and really is. Yeah, being in this climate is incredible. But I do find that when I go to West Coast events generally they're very informal and I was raised with a lot of formality Mm. so there is that adjustment like people come to my house for a barbecue which I love but they come empty-handed like that would never happen I was never allowed to do that you know I always brought something whether it's like a thing of like a bottle of wine or even like a bag of chips totally coming empty-handed is it's like kind of common here. <laughs> I feel like people come empty-handed and they also don't respect time, which is No, they don't alarming. respect time. I think it's symptomatic well, of our time, age group. It's in LA. Time seems like optional. You know what I mean? Because like it kind of is because there's no such thing as a season. I feel like there is a strange yeah. thing of everybody's in their car and so everything could take plus or minus 20 minutes. It's like, and also, well, I don't know if you find this, but I sometimes feel like with a barbecue, people think that it's a stop by whenever thing. And sometimes Uh, it is, but sometimes you're like, no, no, no. This was like, I'm barbecuing and then we're all going to sit and eat. I had a barbecue last weekend and I made like, I think I made like 40 burger patties. (laughs) And like, just, I made so, and I made this delicious potato salad and I really, I was cooking for, I prepped at night and then I cooked for the whole morning till early afternoon and then people started trickling in and then I laid all the food out and it was time to eat and the whole friends that came later, they were like, where's the food? And I was like, you missed it. I'm yeah. not just like standing over the barbecue for four hours. It's you need also- to come when I tell you to come. Exactly. Yeah, That's babe, good. you missed Turn it. Sorry, but it's so... Turn- <laughs> Turn them a lesson. Turn them a lesson, as my <laughs> grandfather used to say. <laughs> but it, it is it's so true. true. That's a lot of hamburgers to form. Did you do it by I hand? Know. 
Yeah, I did all this by hand. And did you also, have you ever seen those things that are like, they're kind of a QVC moment of like, form a burger patty and it's like a metal burger forming, uniform No, I haven't seen that. I'm glad. I I feel like I wouldn't like you as much if you had one of those. I think No, I I like, I, this is going to sound gross, but like, I like the, I like like molding cold beef. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very good feeling. Do you do like anything specific with your burgers? Like, do you do a recipe? Do you do, some people put like an ice cube in the middle so that it stays rare. Whoa. Blowing my own mind. (laughs) Whoa. No, I'm not, I'm like, I feel like my burger is very classic. I, I dice, I take a white onion and I put it in my food, my little like, you know, choppy chop and I chop it up so it's really fine and then I put that in the ground beef. I put salt and pepper and Worcestershire and then if I'm feeling very frisky, sometimes I'll put some mustard powder in there or garlic powder depending on what I'm feeling. Uh, yeah, I try to not mix it up too much because I don't want to, like, overwork the meat. That's... And then I like to make pretty – I like to make patties, like, the size of my palm. I don't like them to be monsters, you know? I like them to be manageable. Me too, and I and they always, like, swell up into a ball. So I'm always, yeah. like, you got to start smaller. And then you, can, you have the option of, you know, flattening them, like, pretending like you uh, work at a diner. Of a exactly, flat top like situation. you're a short order chef. Exactly that that always feels satisfying to me. What? Let's um, talk about let's talk about a bun. Oh, I'm a classic Martin's potato roll girl myself. Hundred percent, us too. Correct answer. You didn't know it. It was a test. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just you're messing around. Don't try and give me a whole wheat bun. No. Don't try and give me like if you're gonna give me a sesame bun make it artisanal and if you're going to give me a brioche bun get it from like a real bakery and that's maybe me being a bitch and a snob but just do a martin's potato roll you can get it from your grocery store and it's there for you well yeah the bun should like disintegrate from the juices and your fingers you know exactly that's yeah classic potato roll wait so what else did you make at this queue actually i i kind of like free wheeled this potato salad, which I really enjoyed. I used a bag of like small mixed potatoes, like some purple potatoes, some tiny red potatoes, some small steaming like rusted potatoes, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what did I do? I obviously boiled them and then I peeled them, which is a pain in the ass. Turns out you just run them under cold water while you're peeling them goes much faster and you know what who knew i didn't well i feel like if they're Um, cooked enough then the skins all just come off whereas sometimes i feel like it's very hard to cook a potato perfectly i always undercook them and then the skins like well it takes forever whereas i feel like yeah if you kind of overcook them a tiny bit then the skins really come off so easily yeah you have and also in a potato salad you have to overcook a potato I'd rather have the potato salad be on the brink of being a mashed potato Agreed. than a hard potato. Yeah, I like it when they get kind of mashed, like a layer of mash kind of around them. Like, yes, like you've me kind too. of been beating them together a bunch. Mm-hmm. I love potatoes. I think that potatoes are one of my top five favorite foods. 
I Top love them five. so much. Wow. Yeah. I mean, a potato is very versatile. You can do a lot with it. They're delicious a thousand different ways. And they're a vehicle for sauce. And I'm always looking for sauce vehicles in my life. True that. Very true. Very true. So you made potato salad, a burger. Yes, I made potato salad. And then let's see, what else did I put in the potato salad? Oh, yes. And then I boiled some eggs to go in the potato salad. And I boiled them so that the yolks were, like, still a little bit creamy. Mm. Oh, and then I chopped up onions and celery to put in the potato salad as well because you have to have the crunch. And then I made the dressing for the salad, which was, Mayonnaise, mustard, apple cider vinegar, chives, dill, and some capers. And I mixed that up, and then I put it in the potato salad, mixed it up, and it was delicious. Sounds so good. Oh, God, I'm getting really hungry. It was very good. And I'm not a huge mayo. I've only recently started liking mayo. And... I gotta say, it can be very delicious when handled properly. Well, I also feel like it disappears in a potato salad so that, because I feel the same, like if I eat a sandwich and it has like a glob of mayo, I get really grossed out. But in a potato salad, there's something about the combination with like a mustard and a, you know, there's enough stuff going on that it feels like the mayo disappears a little. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, mayonnaise, like a potato, is a very good canvas to create a delicious other sauce. But yeah, mayo on its own is really challenging for me. I, I think it's a consistency thing. Yeah, I agree. I could not disagree more, I just want to say. But that's okay. I'm you usually, love mayo? I do. I'm a Midwesterner. I really love it. I, I'm, I'm ready to fight about this, but not now. I mean... Not here. The thing <laughs> is, I love mayo. I love mayo as like a binding agent for things like... I love, love, love tuna salad. Mm-hmm. Tuna salad is a dream girl for me. Yeah. Um, I love chicken salad, too. I love all sal- mayonnaise-based salads. And, you know, I, I now have gotten into, like, dipping a fry in a little bit of mayo. Yes. But gobs of it are, are hard for me. It's fine. I, I think. I feel like... It's a fat that I want to also put on my face. You know what I mean? It feels like it's very rich in something that seems healthy and unhealthy all at once. Yeah, like an avocado mask. But, you know, avocado is the base. It's just egg and oil. Exactly. Um, What was the drink situation at the barbecue? My fiancé got a bunch of beer, a lot of, like, Dos Equis Pacifico beers. And then I made a margarita situation for anyone that was so inclined. And then we had a bunch of, like, white wine and rosé. And people could bring whatever they wanted to drink, too. But because this was on the West Coast, no one brought anything. Well, I will say, you know, people love rosé. They cannot get enough of rosé. And a lot of people came with rosé. Yeah, it's very very true. It's very cheesy. I'm waiting to see what's going to happen when the rosé moment is over. We'll see. It may never be over. I was going to say, I don't know if it's ever going to be over. I mean, well, and I think this is happening a lot, too, in New York and even in D.C. People are really getting into natural wines. Is that a thing for you guys? I was going to say, I thought that orange was going to be the next rosé, but it seems to be a little too funky. Yeah. 
the the natural wine thing is like huge here, and I I got really into it for a minute, and then I was kind of like, wait, does all of this taste like kombucha? Wait, thank you. <laughs> I think the same thing. Sometimes I'll have a natural wine where I'm like, oh wow, this is this actually tastes really exquisite. Wait, maybe that's why so many of us like it. Because it does just taste like kombucha. I'm like, just putting this together. I know. <laughs> so many natural reds, though, taste the exact same. I'm like, I could not tell you where this was from, what grape this was, anything. Oh. I think it's a very, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. If any psalm ever listens to this, they're going to think this is heresy. I think it's a very silly trend. I like the idea behind it. Like, because right. sulfates are disgusting, and I wish that we didn't pump our wine full of sulfates in the United States. And I don't know, I like natural wines, but like, you know what I've realized? I don't like it when I'm at a restaurant and people are like, we have a natural red. It's pretty weird and funky. It's like, ugh, you're not, I don't want that. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I'm back on vodka now. And that's because <laughs> I am my mother's daughter and all that I'm doing. And I'm just a vodka girl. And that's I'm okay. So with you, you know? Yes. Yeah, I'm just a tequila Jane Fonda, person. I watched Jane Fonda's documentary, and oh, I was yeah. like, she's doing something right, and she's only drinking vodka, and I'm just going to be that person now. Yeah. I get it. I mean, she really does look amazing. She's in her 80s. That's right? crazy. Guess what, Sophie? What? We have a website. Oh, I'm so excited about it. If you go on our website, you can sign up for our newsletter. And we're going to be in your mailbox, what do you say? Bi-weekly? Once a month? Does bi-weekly mean once every other week or two times a week? No one knows. No one knows. It's one of the greatest mysteries of the universe. That and black holes. (laughs) So go to havinganightpodcast.com, sign up for our newsletter, and of course, listen and subscribe. went to protocol school. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us yes. everything. What does that mean? I wish that I were with you and I could show you this binder. So my mom, when she was working for the governor of Pennsylvania, they would need to do a lot of trade missions in other, obviously all over the world. So part of that was, you know, going to... Japan and being entertained by the Japanese government and sort of like figuring out what their cultural traditions are with dining and entertaining and all of that because in every single culture it's completely different. It's like when you're a celebrity and you do media training. You know what I mean? It's like the same kind of thing. You learn to be like, okay, if I'm going to be in Brazil, this is a common way that we say hi. Yes. And, and like, if I'm at a formal dinner, the salad fork isn't on the outside. It's in the inside. And my bread plate's on the right, not on the left. You know, it's like weird things like that. And everything down to do we stand before we sit or is standing a sign of being rude? Do we right. sit? Or, you know, it's, everything that we never think about just because again that level of formality is slowly just being deleted from uh, our culture my mom was such a stickler for manners and decorum 
and made it seem very valuable and important to my sister and I, which it is incredibly valuable and important. So in this binder, it's truly the cultural manner and etiquette norms in every major city around the world. That sounds incredible. Yeah, it also is reminding me, Sophie and I recorded an episode a couple weeks ago about um, just the history of, of manners, and we had done some research and read about this book that was written in, like, what was it? Like 1231 or yeah. something, yeah. But I'm like, is it the same book? <laughs> it's not. No, this is like, really this special. is like, it's interesting because my mother passed away and when she died, my sister and I inherited, like, all of my parents' stuff because wow. my dad's in his 70s and he's retired and lives in Greece. <laughs> so, like, his life is not about wow. entertaining and working in politics at all anymore. Right. So my sister and I just inherited all this stuff. And, you know, we have 36 of this kind of Spanish ceramic plate and six matching chargers. And like we have the amount of flatware sets that we have from how often my parents entertained is crazy. There has to be like eight sets of like 36 of all different kinds of plates, salad, dessert, entree, charger, uh, coffee cup, like oyster raw bar, little forks, and it's so overwhelming because my sister and I are like, we will never really have any use for this again because, like, this style of dining is just not what we do anymore. Well, and it's also very, like, it it has such a place in D.C. and in places, right, where you are fundraising, where you're throwing those kinds of events constantly, but, like, right, unless you're owning a catering company, it's like as a regular person, there's just not as much of a place for that, of course. Right. And like, you know, unless I have like a staff helping me wash all of these dishes, no way am I doing 36, 60, 80. Oh my God. Wait, so what have you guys decided to do? Some of the plates we... We donated, we gave away, we mm-hmm. donated some of them, like the the china and some of these nicer plates we have in storage. And then the, we each have like the, our quote unquote, like informal flatware, which are these like beautiful um, Italian painted ceramics that we got, that we have, oh, that that's what I use as like my everyday. Right. You know, those those plates that you see with, like, lamb stained on them yes. and chicken stained yes. on them. And my favorite thing that I have of my mom's is this lemon pitcher. It's just a giant mm. lemon, and the handle is, like, the green vine. Oh. And I love stuff like that. I love kitchenware stuff. I just wish that, I don't know, I wish that it was more common to use it constantly. I mean, do you feel like in L.A. you suddenly have a bigger kitchen where you can actually use more of that stuff? I definitely do, and I do use it more. I just, like, I don't know, I want to be at a time in my life, and this will come, I'm sure, if I were to ever have children, but, like, I'm still in that time of my life where I'm very, like, rushed, and I have, like, you know, I'm a stand-up comedian, so my nights are not, I'm not usually home. I don't get a chance to cook, you know, every night or or sit down with 
my friends every night the way that I would. And I also think that dining out has become, that's like how we break bread with our friends in this culture now, going out to restaurants. Whereas when our parents, I'm not sure how old your parents are, but when our, when my parents were growing up, going to a restaurant, you would do that like once a month as a special treat. Right. Well, I have this like image of you and I imagine, I guess your sister, right? As kids at these fundraisers, at these cocktail parties, how did your parents like allow you to engage or not engage? Was it very like children should be seen and not heard? Were you put to bed at a certain hour? Like how did your parents navigate that? I mean, it depended on the level of like seriousness of the event. Like when I was really little, we, we had a live in babysitter. So I was constantly occupied by her. I remember when we were living in Pennsylvania, we would often just be like quarantined to the basement and some of our other family friends would bring their kids. So it was kind of like a kid party in the basement. And my, my mother always loved to introduce her kids to people, you know, I mean, cause again, we were raised to be like, have manners and speak when spoken to and to not be crazy. Like throwing a temper tantrum in my family was absolutely not allowed because mm. my mother terrified us. And I was also like, I was a little ham when I was a kid. I loved pretending to be a full-blown adult when I was like seven years old. I loved like walking around with a wine glass filled with like water, being like a little like kid. When it was smaller groups of people, when my parents would have like friends over for dinners, I used to have full-on dance performances for them when they were done. I used to blast back in the USSR by the Beatles. This is like one of the fondest memories I have as a kid, blasting this song and then dancing. And I remember feeling like I'm the best dancer in the world. <laughs> and in hindsight, now that I'm an adult, I'm just like, oh, yeah, these people were wasted just watching like a six-year-old dance. Oh, my God. I love being older now and being able to reflect on how drunk everyone was when yeah. we were growing up. Yeah, having that realization <laughs> now, like going to a, someone's like bat mitzvah or a fundraiser and thinking like, oh, wow, all, all of my parents, my parents' friends, like everyone was wasted. That never occurred to me <laughs> when I was... Yeah, no, not at all. And since I know you are wedding planning, thinking, whatever, wh where are you in all of this planning or lack thereof? We're getting married. Let's see. We're getting married in New York. We're getting married at the Boom. We're having a party at the Boom Boom Room. Yeah. And are you going to do like a dinner before? Are you going to do... Yes. And We're are you going to do City Hall? We are going to get married at like, yeah, we're going to get married at City Hall prior to the evening. And then we, again, like, this is us considering our guests and people traveling. You know, when people travel for a wedding, I think that they really want to see a wedding. Yes. You know? And my fiance and I have decided that, like, we should give that to people. <laughs> as much as I love the idea of being like, come to New York and then come to this fabulous party. Like, I don't know, people are spending money to fly and stay at a hotel and they want, maybe they want to see us like proclaim our love and devotion to each other. Yeah. I don't know. And there's something kind of nice about that. 
So here's how the here's how I think it's all going to go down. So this is still happening at the Standard Hotel. We're going to have a cocktail hour, at which point I will show up. There will not be an aisle or, a, you know, there won't be like an entrance moment like that. And then we're going to exchange vows in front of our closest friends and family. And one of our best friends is going to be sort of like the... MC, if you will, mm-hmm. of us exchanging vows. And then we're going to have a seated meal where we will then go into another room, sit down, have a nice meal, because that was really important to me, because what I like more than anything is sitting down with my friends and, you know, being able to kind of have that nice moment. And then we are going to... Once we are done eating, we're going to cut the cake and have dessert and champagne on the top of the standard. That sounds divine. And then we're going to dance, and that's kind of the plan. You know, it's it's the chill, not super traditional, while still, like, hitting all the marks, right? Yeah. It's like, that sounds so perfect. What a day. I love that. I am going to have a crazy, like, super 80s, 90s classic tiered wedding cake. Oh, for the dinner, are you doing it plated? Are you doing it family style? Do you know yet? Do you know your caterer or is it the standard? Or? Everything, the standard is like kind of, the reason why we liked that was because it was everything sort of there. Oh, that's food, so, alcohol. makes it so easy for you guys, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be a plated dinner. I don't love I didn't love the idea of like doing a buffet number one it takes up too much room and I just don't love that and I hate family style eating with big groups because I always feel like I uh, me personally I never eat enough because I'm always like worried about everyone else eating food so that I never end up eating so we're just gonna I think we're just gonna do plated on like served entrees and appetizers and things like that. And then we're going to have like some little, my fa- like another favorite food of mine is pigs in a blanket and like little sliders. So we'll I have a little late night food situation. I feel like you can't have a wedding without a pig in a blanket. It's like, <laughs> you you're, can. Not just can't. you're not officially married nope. if you have not served me a tiny, tiny hot dog <laughs> in a tiny, tiny croissant <laughs> or whatever. I, know. I mean, it's, it's just I such a classic. It. I also feel like sometimes, you know, when, you know, when you think about all of these forms of throwing parties and like all the different things that you can do, sometimes you think about back to basics and you're like, oh, right. These basics are basics for a reason. Everybody loves a glass of champagne. Everybody loves a pig in a blanket. I'm not trying to do anything very like edgy and super alternative for food and beverage at our wedding. I just want it to be food that's pretty classic that we know everyone will like. And I want people to just like have a really fun time. And then great music, great people, kind of never ending alcohol. That's all that I, that's all that I care about. That's the dream. And it's it's like a throwback to, to the way that your mom was hosting. It's like, you know, all sort of part and parcel of the same world. Have a cocktail. Yeah, exactly. I just, yeah. And I think I never had a very specific idea of, what my wedding would be. I just never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. And then now that I'm faced with it, I want it to be a very easy day for me. I don't want to feel very stressed out. 
And I think that if I had to deal with, like, you know, worrying about a caterer and worrying about this outside vendor and that outside vendor, and if it's all going to come together, it would be overwhelming for me because I'm also a control freak. So I just... Yeah, I think that it's better for me that it's all kind of happening under one roof in a sort of seamless feeling kind of way. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. This was so fun. It was so cool to get to know you in this way, through food. I know. But can I tell... I'm in New York next, so I'll have to do something, have a drink. When are you performing next, just so we can tell all of our listeners... Where they can see oh, you. well, if you're, if you're out in L.A., I run a weekly show at Genghis Cohen, a fabulous Chinese food spot out here. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's every Tuesday. So come to that. And then, you know, I'm always posting shows on my Instagram and whatnot. And I will be in New York very soon doing shows out there again, too. Awesome. We will tell everybody to look out for you. Thank you so much, Greta. Thanks, Greta. Thank you so much for having me. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.